0: Hello, welcome to Blades Pod. It is Monday the 20th of August. Uh, my name is Ben. Joining me once again is Jay, aka Blades Analytic. How are you, my friend?
1: Very good, very good, Mr. Blades How are you?
0: Yeah, also very good. Uh, very excited to get into this. Uh, obviously, last time we spoke, we'd won our first game of the season at QPR. And, uh, yeah, this weekend, uh, our first home win of the season as well. Uh, improved performance, but I think, most importantly, just a very enjoyable afternoon, or it's certainly a very enjoyable finish to uh, a game with a little bit of edge and, uh, and a lot of action to it as well. I mean, uh, did you enjoy watching this one, or were you sort of uh, frustrated at how it was panning out? Both. Uh,
1: <laughs> it was... Well, the first 20 minutes were extremely enjoyable. We were on the front foot and playing almost like the team of, that started last season. Um, I really thought we were going to, after we scored earlier, I really thought we were going to go and take the game to them, bag two or three at that point. Mm. And then all of a sudden that just stopped. Um, I didn't think Norwich did anything special to stop it. It just stopped. Um, the momentum stopped and all of a sudden it became a bit of a nutritional game and they started to have chances and the nerves kicked in, didn't they?
2: Yeah. Um,
0: it was it, it was a bit of a weird game flow actually because as you say, United started uh, started really well. You know, a lot of pressure from particularly from set pieces. There's the Fleck had that shot from it was from a corner, but he shot from the edge of the area just wide. Uh, I think Norwood had a shot deflected wide as well with a good bit of um, build up play. Um, yeah, and then we took the lead with uh, with a goal from a corner, which is obviously something United fans have gone on about. A lot over the last season or so where we've been pretty terrible okay. at them. But uh John Egan got his first goal and then yeah, United you know, complete sort of completely on top and then Norwich sort of equalised out of nothing and uh, that kind of changed the flow of the game a little bit. But um yeah, we, we sort of I think in the second half uh it, it seemed like Wilder was trying lots of different things, which we can get into in a bit more detail to try and try and get that initiative back and I guess uh I guess in the end it, it just about worked, even if it sort of the goal itself came came a little bit out of the blue, I think. Sharps. winner right at the death, um, but yeah, I mean, this is a pretty uh, a pretty even game, I guess. Just uh, just quite an exciting one as well. I mean, it's sort of how we'd, I guess, how we'd kind of uh, predicted it in advance. You know, we both of us have been talking about how Norwich um, score a lot, but also concede a lot based on the, the previous couple of games so far. Uh, United obviously some defensive issues, I guess, in these first three three games, but starting to look like, uh, like we're getting it together a little bit with chance creation. And yeah, Oliver Norwood comes in for his home debut and, uh, pretty impressive, I'd say. That was, <laughs> that was an extremely good debut from him. And uh, I know you're, uh, working on a, a piece to kind of explain a bit more about that. But yeah, quick thoughts on, uh, on Mr. Norwood's debut?
1: Outstanding. Um, Against Hull in Midweek, he was brilliant. um, And on Saturday, he continued that. It's really interesting. I I wouldn't normally do any kind of written piece on someone after one game. Because Mm. quite frankly, it's just, why? (laughs) You know, even (laughs) if it's good or bad, it doesn't mean anything. But it's it's how much of our play changed because we now funnel through Norwood. Mm. Um, You know, I, I did put some tweets out, but it's worth discussing them here because you've got some excellent thoughts on this as well. Which is, you know... In the last three games, Ender Stevens has had the most touches for United, shortly followed by John Fleck. And if you look at the average position of those touches, they've always been tight to the left touchline. And quite frankly, that's been a problem in the first three games. That's, that's stopped our creativity, if you will, because the opposition know full well where the ball's coming from. Mm. Um, however, on Saturday, Norwood had the most touches on the pitch, and he had 20 more than Stevens.
2: Mm. He had the most
1: passes with the best pass accuracy as well. Um, we don't. We, me and you don't tend to talk about pass accuracy because we're, I wouldn't say we're beyond that but we, we like to think there's a better indicators of performance but when you add that in with the other factors it just shows how important Norwood has become in one game for us. Everything went through him and because it went centrally he was able to dictate whether we wanted to go left, right or through the middle. Mm. For the first time in a long time the majority of our chance creation and expected goals numbers actually came through the middle rather than down the left or right.
2: Mm, okay. um,
1: really interesting that if you look at the breakdown I think it's like 1.2 XG from the middle and the others were kind of really low which mm. is really very strange for us very peculiar we're a crossing team predominantly we we get balls into the box from out wide um, so to see that down the middle I mean obviously Basham's chip to McGoldrick to Sharp for the winner contributed to that but Norwood's passing was kind of from a central position to out wide wasn't it I'm sure you've looked at his pass map yeah um, and, and because of that I feel as though we have a different dimension to our game now we're able to go centrally to go out wide with quick direct passing where the opposition isn't set in shape and I think that really helped Ender Stevens because I thought he played much better on Saturday
0: Yeah, I, I definitely agree on that Jim. We'll we'll come on to that with play ratings uh, in a little while but yeah, I, I thought it was his, um, Stevens' best performance of the season albeit you know, it was a fairly low bar these first three games but certainly an improvement um, I guess the thing we, we really do have to talk about with Norwood is that set piece delivery. I know, you know, you, you kind of mentioned that he is a set, set piece specialist uh, when we last spoke, but not even I expected uh, such an impact. I guess from you know just on his on his first performance. So in total, uh, Norwood created six chances in this game, of which five were from set pieces. So it was four from corners and one from a free kick as well, which is the uh, the effort that Jack O'Connell had that uh, Tim Krul ended up saving. And I mean, it, it kind of felt like every time we got a corner, we were going to have a chance. I think I think we had nine corners in the game and, and five uh, were met by a blade and four of them were, were directly chances. And obviously, uh, Egan's goal came from a corner as well. And, you know, th- that could be a, a <laughs> such an asset for us going forward. You know, the ability to actually create something from set pieces in tight games, the kind of... Tight games that we got bogged down with in the second half of last season. The, you know, the games that we ended up, we weren't able to force a winner, or we, you know, we were kind of holding on for a draw, and then the opposition kind of nicked a win with a sort of moment of magic or a defensive meltdown from us. And yeah, Norwood to Egan could be something we see plenty more times this season. I hope.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, on that note, I was talking on social media last night with Ollie Walker. If no one knows who Ollie Walker is. He is the guy that produced uh, that outrageously good piece of analysis about our free kicks and corners from League One.
2: Yeah, I Um, remember
1: that. Yeah, if you see it do the rounds, it's about the kind of Alan Nil free kick that Wilder and Nil produced at Northampton, that England copied at the World Cup, and now Everton copied it on Saturday. Um, And then then other little, very little slight movements of how we got Jack O'Connell and Evang Glendale in position. Well, what I was saying to Ollie is, since he did that piece, um, our set pieces went to, to basically ratchet um, in terms of goal production. However, now we ha- yes we have delivery, but actually the bigger piece of this puzzle is John Egan, um, and the reason for that is we predominantly aimed for Jack O'Connell all last year. He mm. was our only real threat from corners. I know Basham can he's tall and he's powerful, but he's not he's not a goal scoring header of a ball, is he? He's more of a defensive one. He can win it, but where does he go? He doesn't really know. Yeah. Um, you know, and Jack's. Jack was our only one who you're expecting to rise above someone and head it in. Now, Egan, only, not only does he give another option, there's only one other centre-back in the league that had a higher expected goals rating from set-pieces than John Egan, and that was Aidan Flynn. Mm,
0: no surprise, eh?
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I, you talk to anyone who knows anything about stats and set-pieces, we have signed, probably, you know, take Flint out of the equation, the best goal-scoring defender or the best danger from set-pieces in the league. And I think Wilder acknowledged that when he first signed Egan. I mm. add not Norwood's delivery, where he can put something on an absolute sixpence, and so what you've got now is a complete danger from set pieces.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um,
1: we, have, we, have, we have two aerial targets, one of them is John Egan, who just brilliant seems to be attacking the ball. He should have scored three or four so far this year. Mm. Um, and then you add O'Connell as well as another threat, who might, now might get more chances because the opposition don't just focus on Jack, they have to focus on Egan and O'Connell.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and, and as I guess as good as uh, Norwood's delivery was, we should probably talk a little bit about the winning goal as well and that fantastic flighted ball from Chris Basham of all people, who I think played in sort of two or three different positions in this game, but in the ninety third minute was kind of in a, a central midfield position, floated an inch perfect pass to McGoldrick at the back stick, and also what about that touch from McGoldrick by the way? You know, just yeah. to, just to cushion the ball, you know, in a position where Sharp pretty much couldn't miss, I guess, although. You know, as I kind of wrote on my, my piece for uptheblaze.com today, it's still a still a skill for Billy to get in that position and finish it off. But, yeah, uh, a really nice, nicely worked goal and a fantastic moment. I mean, yeah, I've, I've obviously got season ticket on the cop and I really felt this one was heading for a draw just, you know, just based on last season and I guess what we've seen most of this season as well. Um, and, yeah, so for Sharp to pop up and, and head it in, it was just a... Fantastic moment. And then obviously you've got Dean Henderson running the full length of the pitch to get involved in celebrations and yeah, just a a very sweet moment given what uh you know, what kind of happened last season when Norwich came to the lane, you know, to to win the game right at the death was uh was very enjoyable and nice to see a, a home win as well for the first time in a little bit.
1: Yeah, beautifully summed up, definitely. Um you're quite right, actually. Um, you know, I think the second half we did create some chances, but I, I, would, I never disagree with Wilder normally. That's not because I don't want to. It's just normally I think he's right. Um, <laughs> but I had to dis- I had to disagree slightly with some of the post match comments about how we're, we're creating lots of good chances. I, I didn't think we did in the Norwich game. Mm. Some good chances, but from open play we didn't create a lot. Yeah. And I didn't think we looked that threatening in the final ten minutes. In fact, Norwich actually were looking a little bit more threatening.
0: I guess uh, it's probably worth just spending a little bit of time talking about um, a couple of players that we we picked out as danger men before this game. Mainly to give ourselves a pat on the back, I guess, because uh, we were pretty accurate in this. We we highlighted uh, Onel Hernandez, who's the uh, the sort of winger, wide forward, who's been uh, creating chance after chance for Norwich in the first two games, and obviously Jordan Rhodes, who who got the goal and um, celebrated in a uh, an infuriating way in front of the cop. But actually, just quickly, how do you feel about that? I mean, I, you know, I was sat on the cop, but I was like, oh, you know, f- fair play, you know, we. Rhodes gets loads of abuse from United. He, he finally scored against us, or he scored against us for the first time in in a little while. Let let him have his have his moment. And to be honest, it doesn't really. Um, I sometimes think that with things like that, it actually gets the crowd more into it and can actually actually benefit us a little bit. You know, it gets everyone sort of fired up a little bit. But yeah, what, what do you think about that sort of celebrating in front of the United fans? Oh, if I'm there.
1: I'm screaming "Blue Murder" at him, <laughs> um, and I want him. I want him. Chained up by the nearest lamppost, but <laughs> after the game, I would have, yeah, you know, I wouldn't have been writing about that as a big deal. It's all part of the, all part of the game. Isn't it? It's all part of the theatre of it all. Yeah. You know, pantomime is you, you expect that as the next Wednesday, lad, like, don't you? We gave him enough to all game, and we have done since you know he joined Sheffield Wednesday. So let him enjoy his one minute. He, he certainly uh, scurried off the pitch after the game. <laughs> um, I did enjoy that. Play, so. Well, fair play to him as well. I think he fronted up an interview with the star and you know, said, oh, maybe you shouldn't have reacted like that. I think I speak on a lot of the plays to the heart and I say, we've got no problem with you speaking like that, Jordan, as long as we've been in the game. So.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, this was, uh, you know, we kind of talked before the game about how I think he had one of the roads as one of the highest expected goals in the championship so far. Obviously a very, very small sample, but just showing the sort of great positions that he gets into. He obviously um, uh, he had one goal already before this game, uh, and he missed a penalty as well actually so he you know he's, he certainly could have a, a few more goals to his name. but this was sort of see I always think with Rhodes like if he played for United last season for example I think he would have scored a ton because I, I don't think his yeah. finishing ability is in any doubt whatsoever it's just you know in in Wednesday's team they were not able to create chances for him for whatever reason and yeah, yeah I, I presume he probably also had a bit of a a confidence loss as well as kind of a result of that. So, yeah, no real surprise. It wasn't exactly a bold claim of me to say, oh, Rhodes is probably going to score this weekend. But, yeah, I, I would, you know, quite happily have him at the lane, to be honest. Obviously, that's not going to happen. But, yeah, he's a, he's a, a very good finisher at this level, I think.
1: He is the exact type of a player we're currently after. Mm. Um, I, I don't I don't think that's too short to say that. He, he isn't strong or great in, the air, he isn't fast, but what he is is he's dynamic in the box. He has quick, sharp movements around the side of centre halves and he nips in front of centre halves like he did for his goal on Saturday. Then he finishes crosses and balls into the box. It's exactly what we need. I think Wilder alluded to it very well after the game. He said everyone's going on about pace, 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 and even I'm guilty of that at times. And that's not our style. 75 80% of our games, we pin the opposition back and we need someone who can make quick little movements. It doesn't need to be a quick player. Yeah but a quick movement, which is quick in the brain, quick with the feet. Um, And that's Jordan Rhodes. Uh, I completely agree. Wednesday never, ever played to his strengths. Not once did they even try to do so. You know, If you lump it up to him or you try and play possession football and involve him, he's going to look poor because he he, he can't do anything else but score. He's very similar to Billy Sharp in that regard. Mm. They don't bring much else to the game other than finishing things in the back of the net. But quite frankly, that is his own unique skill set and they should be celebrated for that.
0: Absolutely. I mean, yeah, Sharp. Uh, you know, Sharp. I thought had a you know a, a decent game even outside of the goal. But I mean, that was just classic Sharp, wasn't it? He had he had one shot in the whole of whole ninety minutes or ninety three minutes as it was, and you know it came from three yards, and of course it goes in the back of the net, and that's that's he's got two goals now from a combined distance of probably four and a half yards or something like that, but. You know, it, it, it's a skill getting in that position and, and finishing them off. And uh, yeah, he, he, you keep playing him, he keeps scoring goals, and it's it's great to see. He's, uh yeah, it's basically you know turned a, a crap start to the season into a, a much more positive, enjoyable looking one. So good on him.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, just a quick one on Billy there. Um, so Billy's obviously played the game at QPR and he played the game against Norwich. He's now in the top five. I know it's a very small sample size, but it. It's something we're going to discuss throughout the season, expected goals. It's probably better to approach it early. He's now in the top five of all players in the league uh, with their total expected goals, and that's from about 20% less efforts than the others are above him, which is Britta Sombelonga, Neil Morpe, Lee Gregory, people like that. Billy's got a combined XG of 1.4 from about four efforts. (laughs) It's outstanding. It, it's just, it, or he's literally the modern-day version of Gary Lineker. You know, you've, you've summed up really well that those combined goals are from about four and a half yards. He isn't going to add much else. A lot of effort, a lot of industry, um, but he's not going to have much. You know, build-up play. He's not going to be a man who shoots a lot. He's not going to take people on. But when the ball lands in the box, he's Johnny on the spot. And quite frankly, that's what we need at the minute, isn't it? So, yeah, definitely. got have but... gotta sell it got to celebrate Billy at
0: the minute yeah for sure and I mean I I wrote this in uh in my piece that's gone on the site but you know there was this kind of it was sort of tongue-in-cheek but there was this kind of criticism of Sharp about 18 months ago that oh he only scores tap-ins and penalties and you know penalties yeah you know it is it is obviously great if you can score penalties but you almost keep those separate from a player's actual sort of gold I guess gold tallies because it's you know, most times the, the player hasn't actually won the penalty or, you know, it's it's from a a, a dead situation, I guess. But, but tap-ins are completely different. And, you know, we talked about it last season that, you know, with our sort of 50k Clayton Donaldson, you know, he gets into those positions, but he's, he's not ready to finish from close range as frequently oh. as a, a high-class finisher is. And that's what Sharp absolutely is. And, you know, there's huge value in, in having someone who can score from six yards, basically, because not everyone will, you know, be in the position or uh, be ready for the ball, be set for it, be able to get it on target, get it past the keeper, etc. And, yeah, Sharp is is very much that, as you say, is the the, the modern-day Gary Lineker. It's, uh, it's lovely to see.
1: Yeah, no, it uh, is. Just, just, just to finish off on that, it, it reminded me, I was, you know, celebrating the game at the weekend, having a couple of beers at night, having a bit of a takeaway, watching Match of the Day as you do on Saturday nights, And uh, it reminded me, you know, Day commentators having a bit of a go at Aubameyang and Arsenal for missing lots of good chances. It's quite a simple fact with these strikers that they will miss chances because they get in the positions more often than others. Other people aren't in those positions to miss. I know Billy's scoring them at the minute, but he will miss some chances this year. But he's in the right place, you know. And if I've wrote an article on expected goals, and hopefully we'll release it soon, but that, that's what we're looking at with expected goals. Billy Sharp is one of the best people in the league at getting in a goal-scoring position, so. Mm. Take strip away everything else from a striker. He does
2: what a striker should
0: do at his core. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, always enjoyable that he's uh, you know local local lad captain. Everything always uh, just enhances it a little bit more when he gets that last minute winner as well. Um, yeah. Let's talk about one of the weirder things I've seen in a, uh, a football match at Bramall Lane for <laughs> a very long time, and that is the uh, the non offside chance, if, if we can call it that, for Norwich. So. I'm presuming most people have seen this, but essentially what happened, Jack O'Connell slides into a tackle on halfway, the ball ricochets off a Norwich player, rebounds into our half, where Leitner, I think it is, for Norwich and two other Norwich players, are suddenly in on goal. So it's it's three on one essentially on Dean Henderson. Leitner particularly was, I would say, having having seen sort of stills of it, at least six or seven yards offside, and the lines. You know, I was watching it. Uh, obviously, watching it live, my eyes panned instantly to the to the linesman. I'm like, uh, "Excuse me, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's offside." And it sort of looked like he was going to flag, and then and then I thought, "Oh, he's he's waiting to see if Lightner interferes with play, and or if the other guy comes in and takes it instead." But uh, that didn't actually happen. And then of course Henderson ends up making the save. Uh, the guy could have squared it for um, a tap in. Henderson makes a massive save. Play continues. United essentially got away with one. Now, I haven't heard this myself, but apparently afterwards, uh, Wilder did tell tell Radio Sheffield that the fourth official had said to him, uh, if the goal had gone in, then we would have cleared it up. It would have been, you know, if the ball was played forward by a Norwich player, the goal wouldn't have been allowed. But, (laughs) I don't know, call me cynical, but I'm I'm just glad that Henderson (laughs) saved it. You know, it's very easy to uh, hear that uh, retrospectively. Yeah. I'm not sure if it would have happened at the time. And I just thought, oh, that would have just been such a sickening way to uh, to lose a game, to concede a goal. Um, I mean, what did you think watching that, like, when you watched that first time? You're just like, oh, it's, you know, there must be another player off screen who's playing everyone on side, or, uh, yeah. It was it was just I, really weird. I
1: wasn't even angry because I didn't know what the hell was happening.
0: Yeah.
1: Like, what? <laughs> I just thought, he's offside and then he's running through and I'm thinking... Well, what's happening here? What's going on here? Surely he must have stopped play because none of the United players even tried tracking back because he just thought, well, he's offside.
2: Yeah.
1: It's just pointless. He's offside. The whistle is going to go. Maybe it's going to be one of these stupid refereeing things where until he actually touches the ball you know, and takes it forward, he's not going to be flagged because we do this whole thing now about you know, action of the second phase and whatnot. I mean, it's mm. just, it just goes through and he tries to smash it in the bin and Henderson makes one of the best saves I've seen and he just thinks... Is this still live play? What's
0: going on? Yeah, well, well this is it. I, no. I didn't actually see Henderson make the save, I uh, like watching it um, in the ground, because I was looking at the linesman at the ref, the linesman at the ref, and then at the players that are running in, and then suddenly there's a big roar, and I realised Henderson saved it, because I'm sort of thinking three on one, there's absolutely no way this doesn't end up in the back of our net. But yeah, it kind of like at the World Cup when, uh, you know, the, the linesmen were sort of told, don't flag for marginal offsides, let the play go on, and then we'll. Uh, you know, we'll use VAR to check whether it was, uh, whether it was on or not. But obviously, we don't have VAR in the championship or indeed in English football at uh, any level at the moment. So, very weird. Uh, <laughs> I'm very glad it didn't go in, as I imagine the officials probably are as well. And uh, Oh, yeah. It was a great save.
1: I was going to say, one thing you've got to say, is, regardless of whether it would or wouldn't have been given, what a bloody pivotal save as well in the time of the game. Yeah, no, it's, it's, a good, it's a good save 4-0 down, it's World-class save, 4-0 down. But at 1-1, you know, when they're breaking their that, it, it did change the atmosphere and the time a little bit. We certainly didn't throw the kitchen sink after that, but there wasn't an, an urgency they got injected into our game after that save. Um, and quite frankly, it just I'm so glad it happened for Henderson. because I think like most players, I love Dean Henderson already. Yeah. He is absolutely bonkers. Um, <laughs> and he's, he's becoming an absolute cult hero, he really is. Everything from the cut of his ass-sleeves, like short goalkeeping because I will not give him a short one to just run running up and down like West Street on a Saturday night singing Blade songs I just what a guy yeah he's,
0: he's certainly a, a, well a charm offensive sounds like he's doing it sort of cynically or, or deliberately he's, but yeah he's, uh, well, I think he's very much endeared himself I think
1: a little bit of inside knowledge of that like if you read anything that there's a really good Shrewsbury podcast I, I sometimes listened to it last year because I think they have some interesting players and it's quite an interesting did the same there as well, mm. um, you know. So he does try and I think, and some people might see that as a negative. But you know, it it's just a charm offensive. But I think he tries to inject himself in the fabric of the club. Yeah. You know, he tries to understand what the fans are, what they what they're about, what that club means to them. I also, funnily enough, just from a past life working wise, I actually know his dad. Oh,
2: um, really.
1: Whatever club he goes to, he's gonna make himself, you know, a part of that club and he certainly is making himself a part of United at the minute.
0: Yeah. I mean this is the thing with uh, I guess with young goalkeepers, you know, you are gonna have to go out on loan and you know, sometimes you're gonna reach like twenty three, twenty four and you've probably only played like twenty games or something like that. And mm. yeah, it, it just seems like he loves playing football. I mean I know I don't think Jamal Blackman's been starting for Leeds, I said. They've had um, no, the younger lad in no. instead. So yep. Yeah, he's, he's obviously enjoying enjoying his football, and uh, yeah, good on him. He's, he's had a great start to uh, to his career with United. Uh, this is probably a good point to segue onto player ratings. Actually, starting with Mister Henderson. Um, so yeah, let's let's do this similar to last week. Where we uh, both give our ratings, I guess. Um, I, I'll get a start. I thought I'd give him a eight out of ten for this game. Uh, incredible save we talked about, um, and yeah, I, I, there was a couple where he. It flapped a little bit of the one that, that hit the post from Norwich in the second half, but, you know, overall, good, solid game. Distribution was good, and, yeah, just, just love the guy's passion as well. Fantastic to see him joining in the celebrations at the end.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Eight out of ten again. Um, you know, you can add up a goalkeeper's distribution in our league. I don't it's not as important. as Premier League and and whatnot, but when they're making saves like that that change the game, then it's no less than an eight for me.
2: Yeah,
0: cool. How about uh, Kieran Freeman?
1: Uh, I thought bring was a seven. Uh, didn't didn't impact the game directly, you know, and involved assist or anything like that. But when you look at his numbers and what he produced, lots of good things again, attackively. Um, and I just think we look more balanced and more dangerous with him in the team. Mm. rather the Baldock, I know I've, I wrote this piece in the summer, and I was I was torn when I was writing it because I do like George Baldock, I like the pace he brings, like that tenacity he brings. But there is a a really significant difference between the two when they play into terms of how threatening we look on the right-hand side.
2: Mm. Yeah,
0: I, I give Freeman a seven as well. Uh, he went off af- just after an hour, um, which was down to uh, tiredness, I think, while they're explained. Um, yeah, I yeah, thought it was a good, solid game. He did get forward well. He uh, created two chances, including that one. Uh, there was a really nice layoff for Norwood, which um, Norwood, his, yeah. his shot was kind of deflected over. I thought... I thought Freeman was actually going to shoot, and he he almost played a sort of uh, like a no look pass, essentially that, that freed up the the room for Norwood to shoot. So yeah, seven as well for me. Uh, what about Chris Basham next? I gave Basham a six out of ten, as I I thought this was a bit of a mixed performance. I mean, he got the great ball for uh, for the goal. Uh, he kind of played in a couple of different positions as well, but. Um, his passing was was a bit pretty weak in this game, I think. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but he you know, it was one of the lowest pass completions in uh, of our team, I think. Uh, he was also beaten yeah. very easily for the equalising goal as well, so, yeah. you, you know, he was kind of it was a little bit out of position uh, in terms of he'd, he'd had to move over to cover, because uh, I think O'Connell had, had gone up for sort of an initial header, so he ended up in sort of the left centre-back position, but got turned so easily by Hernandez, and then Rhodes just had a tap in, so Bit of a mixed game for Bash, I thought, so I'll give a 6 out of 10.
1: Yeah, yeah, I had a 6 out of 10 as well. I think defensive work wasn't the best. Um, and that's something that has been labelled at Bash at the minute with this whole, you know, who's in the back three argument. Um, While they're obviously, him, keeps picking him, doesn't he? He keeps, you know, that look like a starting back three. But, yeah, I thought he got beat too easily on the goal, although Hernandez is a really good player and will do that to a, a lot of defenders in the league. But, you know... Did well at the end with the you know the long ball over to McGoldrick, which was a really nice pass. And he kept himself going. Then he did what Bash does. He plugged away, plucked away, he competed. He, he recovered a lot of balls as well when he when he played more centrally. So he did what Bash is. And the six might be harsh overall, but I think it's fair on reflection.
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's he's always involved. That's the thing, isn't it? I mean, if you yeah, you know, I was looking. Obviously, I watched the game, but you know, looking down the stats, and you know, he's he's got. Uh, a couple of attempted take-ons, which you know, it was zero from two completed. Yeah. But you know, he, he was trying he to make to things play. happen. Yeah, he tries to. He gets the ball on halfway and he tries to go past someone to to you know move the play forward. So yeah, you can never fault his uh, fault his involvement. Um, next up, John Egan. What would you give him?
1: Uh, a Seven. Okay. Seven. for Egan. I, um, Some people may argue higher. Uh, I, I try not to be. Persuaded by goals from defenders. It's great that he scored, it's great that he had that option, as we've already discussed, but mm. just his defensive uh, performance. I thought he was good and he's getting better. He's really interesting what Wilder said after the game about how Egan's not used to playing in a three, so he's having to learn that again. Oh, right. I thought that was really, uh, yeah, it was a good interview after the game from Wilder. It was, you know, a lot of things came out actually. You know, it normally does with Wilder because he's so honest, but it, some real, little tidbits like that that was actually quite, they explained things that have been going on, if you see what I mean. Mm. Um, you know, and that that's really. You know, when you think of it logically, if you know this league, yeah, Egan has played predominantly in a back four at Brentford. They sometimes did a three, but predominantly he's played next to a centre-half and normally a centre-half who's more of a ball player. So when he's been asked to play the central one of the three and organise and ball play at the same time, a lot of of different pressure's been heaped on him. So it is interesting and he he is getting better. uh, And that back three itself is getting better. I still think we conceded too many chances and... Mm. To say he's very good at attacking the ball in in the opposition box, I don't. I'm not seeing defensively him dominate yet, and that's the thing we bought him in for. Um, you know, Norwich had that chance from the corner; they should have scored with really it at the post, and there was other opportunities that are coming in the box, and there was a QPR, and clearly there was a Middlesbrough. And I just think he needs to be that more dominant person that we signed for me to start rating him as eight and nine.
0: Yeah, that's fair enough. So I actually have given him an eight out of ten, but I. I do agree with what you're saying. I thought it was definitely his best performance so far for us. Um, I didn't see the whole game, but, you know, the standard of opposition there was slightly different, yeah. I guess, because it was, it was sort of a second team for uh, for Hull, certainly. You know, getting the goal is obviously great, but, yeah, I thought his defending was largely flawless apart from the one that you mentioned, which is, is quite interesting. So uh, he won, I think it was seven out of nine aerial duels, which is, you know, something that we've essentially signed him for to be that kind of dominant figure in the air. Most yep. of them were very high up the pitch. And that that's, that's good right. because, you know, that helps us uh pen teams back essentially. You know, we're 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 not giving him an outlet of just playing a long ball. But yeah, the ones that he didn't win were were in and around our box. There's only two of them, but you know, one as you said led to that that header that comes off the post. So yeah, that's the kind of one one area that we haven't really seen yet. He is clearly very good in the air, but you know, there's something about these these chances that are coming into the box, I guess, rather than balls onto halfway, that yeah, hasn't hasn't quite worked out yet. But I, I still give him an eight. I think it was his, his best performance so far. Um, Jack O'Connell, uh, I think. Oh yeah, it's, it's my turn, isn't it? So I give Jack a seven. Yep. Uh, thought it was another good, solid game. He, you know, he he lost roads for the equalising goal, but it's hard to apportion too much blame for that. Uh, generally yeah. just just very strong airily really and uh and on the ground as well I, I felt like he i haven't actually dug into this but i felt like he probably stayed back quite a bit as well perhaps you know yeah. t- to try and counter this this threat that we'd, we'd well you and i had talked about and written in the preview as well from um, hernandez and uh and Pookie, i think it is or pookkey the uh yeah. the other sort of wide forward so that kind of made sense as well even if we lost that sort of attacking threat from him
1: yeah, no, they did. It was a weird one actually. Um, I've looked at this and so see if you look at kind of our average position map, um, the line, the defensive line is actually quite high, which and the, and the midfield is quite high. So that indicates what I thought I saw more in the game, which was we'd obviously started on the front foot and we'd started trying to pin Norwich in their own half, um, which is a standard Chris Wilder, Sheffield United tactic. We're going to try and step up the pitch because we want the ball and we want to be able to play with it, so we need everyone closer together. Mm. Um, but you're quite right, the, the wide centre-halves, if you will, bash bashing in the first half and O'Connor, they didn't bomb on. Um, I think a lot of that is, is related to Ollie Norwood. Um, again, don't want to bring everything back to Norwood, but there's less need for them to bomb on and cause an overlap because the ball is getting to the wing-back quicker. Mm. The wing-backs are getting the situations where they're already one-on-one and therefore when John Fleck slides across um, or Woodburn slides across or Norwood himself, there is an overlap created just by people in their natural positions, anyway. Um, you know, the centre halves, the wide centre halves, can only overlap if we slow the ball down to allow them to get there. Mm. And I think the, the ball was being played much quicker out wide and much quicker in the box as well, which again is something Wilder alluded to. He said after the game, you know, we cross the ball a lot in and we're getting the ball into the box a lot earlier. That's clearly an instruction he's telling them to do. Um, I, I gave O'Connell. Yeah, I thought so as well, because we actually didn't cross as much as we have in other games.
2: Right.
1: <laughs> when you look at the sheer numbers, but. Again, that, that's just stats and stats that lies, statistics and all that. You know, if we break down those crosses, it might well be that we are crossing a lot earlier, but mm. less of the total amount. If you see what I mean, so that could be better. That is certainly a more productive way to cross the ball to cross it earlier. So hopefully, that's something that does continue. Uh, I gave Jack a seven. Um, yeah, good defensive numbers again with Jack. You know, seventy odd percent of his aerial he won, but interestingly. He won five out of five, kind of loose ball duels, So what we as fans shout, win the second ball, Jack mm. won all on you know, 10 of them, which is really good, actually. And it shows, I think, a good part of Jack's game is that he's extremely fiercely competitive, you know. He wins the first one, but he goes and wins the second one as well. So, yeah, yeah good,
2: good,
1: good defensive display from Jack.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think mean just generally, actually, just to take a quick segue from uh, player ratings here. I... Maybe, maybe Admittedly, the only... So I've only seen... That was only the second game I've seen in person. This season, obviously, watched the uh, QPR yeah. and Borough games, but it did feel like we were quite quick into the tackle in this game. You know, I saw the uh, on Roy's uh, views from afterwards that you know another another physical battling performance from from United and you know our Warnock style football. But I actually did think you know we were quite, I, I mean, I, I, aggressive. I guess you know not not it's dangerous, fair. but you know we we defended on the front foot if you like you know if there was a loose ball we were sliding in to try and win it and yeah that, that was you know that's what you want to see as a fan I guess you know not straying into recklessness but actually being competitive with with 50 50s and you know the, the whole midfield three and and the defense as well you know sort of not holding back when it came to trying to pick up the ball well yeah I mean
1: I mean just to Provide some context and evidence for that. So, just some simple numbers. These these don't necessarily mean you're going to win or or you've done well, but sure. emphasise your point. So, sliding tackles. You know, in the game, we have nine. Norwich had one. Mm. Um, we look at we look at kind of go through the other kind of metrics I like, which is passes allowed per tackle or interception. So, basically, pressure. How much pressure did we put on the ball? We only allowed nine passes. So, every nine Norwich passes, we put a tackle or an interception in. Norwich mm-hmm. had thirteen point eight. Okay. Big difference. Basham's quite a big part of that. He actually plays a big part in the pressing side of it, but it falls into what you're on about. Um, You know, took jewels, we won 128 jewels, total kind of jewels, and ground jewels, we won 55. You know, it's about 20% more than what Norwich won overall. Right. Um, You know, it it, it does fall into what you're saying. We were a lot more competitive than they were in this game, and some of that does sometimes fall tactically. Norwich were naturally sitting back a little bit more Mm. than the away team, but it was a very aggressive front foot performance. And that's half the reason we were able to get the territory, which you spoke about. Um, It's because we pressed the ball, we won it, and we won it high.
0: Yeah. Yeah, great to see. All right, uh, next one on our play ratings is Ender Stevens. What was your rating for Ender?
1: Uh, I gave Ender a six, although I was a little bit harsh, I thought, with a six. All right, go on. Um, The only reason I gave him a six is because I can't, Generally, his numbers, actually, looking at the game, weren't that bad. He was mm. really quite good. Um, and he definitely put in some balls. That, again, he did it off against Paul in midweek. But it was very obvious. He put some crosses in that doesn't really get much credit in terms of, kind of expected assists or, or whatever value, because no one was there. But really, the actual quality of the ball he put in was really good. Mm. Um, he did that once or twice. But I just thought, overall, he didn't do too much to deserve a seven. I see a seven as someone who's, you know really impacted the game. But well, again,
0: it could have been harsh. You may well have given him a better than that. Yeah, i did give him a seven. I it was his most complete game of the season. I mean, yeah, maybe not the the highest of bar to clear, but yeah, I, th- I thought he was good defensively in this game, which is you know not something that we've we've said too often in the past, and uh, and solid enough offensively. I think you know he had, uh, I think he had like a, I think he had nine recoveries, which I believe was a either second highest or joint highest in the team. Uh, yeah, exactly. He com- completed most of his passes inside the penalty area. Just generally a good attacking threat. So yeah, uh, a, a, one of his his better games for well for several months, I suppose, going back into last season. Um,
2: yeah.
0: All right, next is Oliver Norwood. I imagine we're going to go pretty high on him. I'd, I'd have to give him a nine out of ten for this debut. I think that was just fantastic. Uh, like I said earlier, created six chances. You know, we've we've been through the stats. So you know, passing was excellent, it was, you know, progressive, it was accurate, uh, it crunched into a lot of tackles and I think he won most of them as well. And, yeah, yep. set-piece delivery, fantastic. Great debut, 9 out of 10 for me. 100%, 9
1: out of 10. Um, it could well have been uh, 10 out of 10, couldn't it? Yeah. Mm, 100 um, out of 10. You know, pro- 100 out of 10, yeah. I just thinking, <laughs> talking about percentages, you know that's confusing me now um, but it could well have been 10 out of 10 probably a goal would have captured it wouldn't it really yeah i will um, go with that yeah but for you know, so, so the function he was brought into the team for he did it and he's done it better than I've seen anyone do it since Paul Coots mm. at the start of last season so outstanding performance I don't think we can say any more on that honestly
2: yeah
0: it, it would be interesting to go back and look at how we thought about Lee Evans' debut which I believe was Norwich away as it actually coincidentally happens well, I seem to remember we're very high on Lee Evans, and, and I, you know, even when we we uh, sold Evans, I mean, you know, I, I'm kind of saying he's a decent enough player. I'm I thought still he's... high. Say again, sorry.
1: Yeah, I'm still high. On, I'm still high on the Evans. I'm not. I, I don't knock Lee Evans as United I've done. I hmm. think we have a better, better. I think we have an upgrade of Lee Evans. What Evans yeah. does well, Norwood does better.
0: I certainly hope that's how it pans out. But at the same time, yeah, let's let's give him a few more games to. Uh, to show Absolutely. what he can do, I guess. I'm certainly not saying, like, oh, he, he actually wasn't that good. He was just basically as good as Lee Evans. Because, I mean, yeah, I, I don't think at any point Evans had that level of set piece creation, um, even though I do remember it being a sort of facet of his game.
1: That's the funny thing with Evans. So, when he came to us, he came to us with seven assists and an uh, expected rating, assist wise, 9.8. A lot of that was corners.
0: So, Wigan. that was from Wigan?
1: Yeah. And yeah. he comes to us, and that drops down to basically nothing, yeah. even though he took one. And then he went to Wigan, and on his debut at the weekend, he created three chances, two from set pieces.
0: Maybe he just really, really <laughs> likes Wigan. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Do you know what, though? It's, it's a funny thing. Some players fit systems, don't they? Yeah. Um, you know, Some players just fit. And Lee Evans clearly fits Wigan. They like him, he likes them. And he was very good for us. He filled the coot void as best as he possibly could. Um I just, I just think, as Wilder summed it up really well, it's a bit of wheeling and dealing. We found a better player in that position who was available for a cut price why not game.
0: Yeah, agreed. No, I'm certainly uh, I'm certainly excited by by what we've seen from Norwood so far. So, uh, yeah, cool. All right, next one is Ben Woodburn. So I'm interested to know where you where you go here. Obviously, only played 45 minutes. We subbed off at half time but I think I think if somebody's played half an hour or so, then uh, we can give them a rating. So, how would you rate his performance? Oh.
1: Six, six out of ten. Um, okay. I almost, I want to give him more because I want to like Ben Woodburn,
2: hmm.
1: uh, and I, I really want Woodburn to do well. I don't think there's, at the minute, there's, there's signs, but there's not enough output, um, and certainly from a starting perspective. So you know, filling in that Duffy role from the beginning of the game, it hmm. just seems to pass him by a little bit. I think will do an eighteen-year-old at times. Yeah, there, there, there's some good, key, there's some good key passes. He, he can create things it's not consistent, he's losing the ball a lot he's, at the minute he's the person who loses the ball most in the team mm. um, and I'm just not, you know what I mean when he gets it, I'm not seeing that threat and again, this is a harsh comparison and we shouldn't compare him to Brooks but last year where Brooks got the ball, we thought something was going to happen mm. and I'm not sure Woodburn provides me with that confidence at the minute
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Brooks was also our like most dispossessed player as well, wasn't he? So I mean, we yeah, there is sort of some comparisons there. I, mean, I gave him a 5 out of 10, which may seem harsh, but yeah, basically everything you've just said is is kind of what I was thinking. It, it was sort of quite tidy, I guess. You know, he, he barely gave the ball away, um, but he just couldn't yeah. get involved in that first half. I mean, I don't think he he, he didn't complete any take-ons. I think he had more fouls. and In fact, I know he had more fouls than any other player on the pitch, and he only played the first right. half. And yeah, it, it made sense to, for me to, to swap him at half-time, I think. Uh, obviously, Ryan Leonard came on, who we can talk about um, in a moment as well. Uh, yeah, yep. just not not really seen it yet. There's been a few flashes. I thought he looked quite good at um, uh, Middlesbrough when he uh, when he came on there. But yeah, need to see a bit more of him, I think, to justify a, a starting slot. Although, to be fair, he probably only started because of uh, Duffy's illness. I guess. So I imagine that was a, a fairly late um, late decision on that one. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right, John Fleck. Uh I thought it was his best game of the season. Uh he was sliding into tackles, he was, you know, he was getting forward. He was much more like the Fleck that we know. Created a couple of chances. Uh went close with a long-range shot of his own, so I give him a 7 out of 10 for this.
1: Yeah, I actually gave Fleck an 8. Um, oh, okay. I, I think yeah, I think Fleck was was better than than people's eyes might be telling him in this game. Mm. Um so I I'm not going to take a higher power and make out I can tell you things you're not seeing, but <laughs> If we look at what his play contributed to, Fleck was our our best player in terms of kind of expected goals chain. So if we Mm. look back at at dribbles and passes that led to high quality chances, John Fleck was the player who who had the highest value involvement in all of that. Right. Um, And a lot of that was to do with the fact that in this game he went back to the old school John Fleck, which was he beat his first man, he'd then drive into space and then he can play a pass from there. Mm. That takes us ten meters up the pitch but it also takes the final third and key entry areas where we can do our damage, if you will. Um, and we didn't we didn't actually do that final part very well, as we've already discussed, but Fleck did his job in transitioning us to that place. Hmm. So I actually thought Fleck was really good at that, and, and he's not far away now, it looks like, from being the, the beast that was at the back end of last year, which was he could run a game on his own.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: very encouraging. All right, what about Billy Sharp? Uh,
1: Billy, I'm going to give an 8-2. Uh, again, I think... a in our system, specifically our system, uh, Billy's job is to score goals. Mm-hmm. We'll get on Leon next, and Leon has another job in the system, which I don't think people realise, although we've discussed it many times. Um, but B- Billy's job is to just get in there and score goals. And One shot, one goal, that- that's Billy Sharp. That's all you can say, and I, I don't see how we can rate a striker who scores less than eight.
0: Okay, well, I rated him less than eight last week, and I'm going to do the same this week. Uh, so. <laughs> Seven out of ten, you know, he, he scores goals. It's as simple as that. But I thought, yeah, his performance is pretty much identical to uh, to QPR away. You know, yeah. not not too much involvement other than that. But you know, the the sort of limited involvement he did was was good. I guess you know, he, he, I don't think he did anything wrong. He, it was actually um, I did notice he was pretty good in the air in this game. Actually, I think he won most of his sort of uh, aerial battles with balls flicked forward. So yeah, seven seven and a half I'll get maybe.
1: That on, it, he won he won 67% of his aerial duels yeah looking is, down the list that's like the fourth highest in the team which is
0: He's yeah. not the biggest of that, is he? Oh. well
1: i i'm going to be honest I, I, I obviously watching the game it's not something that I, my take was and i you know that's where numbers can, can be fascinating because you look at that and you think that can't be right can it hmm. but it's clearly a good good, good pick up yeah
0: Thank you. All right, Liam Clark. So, I, I think I'm going to be a bit harsh here, actually, looking at what some other people have said. But I guess this a 5 out of 10. So, you know, okay. a, gre- a great save denied him a goal once again. Uh, but I thought his overall contribution was down on last week. When I, mean, I I believe I gave him 6 out of 10. You know, he only had one ball recovery. I think it was 3 out of 7 aerials. There was there was very little defensive contribution, which he, he had last week. Uh, and his, his passing was... Uh, I think it was just above 50% as well, even from short passes, which is, you know, pretty lame. So, yeah, I, I think he, you know, as usual, worked pretty hard. He had a couple of nice moments. There was a you know, a nice flick to create a sort of uh, opening for his down the left wing and stuff. But, yeah, a, a sort of quite a below-par performance from Clark, in my opinion.
1: Uh, I would go with that. Um, yeah, I, I I would definitely go with that. Like, that's probably about right. I gave him a six, uh, mm-hmm. but... It it was a borderline between the five and the six. Yeah, distribution-wise, wasn't the greatest. As you say, the flick was good. But other than that, not the greatest. Um, And Leon normally is. And he normally has got higher recovery numbers. I mean, I've I've got slightly different numbers to you just from our data source. Um, But it's not his normal type of numbers, you know. Mm. I don't look at the specific numbers. Some people count things differently. But if you look at the percentage, it's low for Leon. However, he did have five touches in the opponent box, which, for me, is encouraging. Um, and it falls to again with what Wilder saying. His expected goals in this game was, was good for a, a you know a 90 minute game. Yeah. Five, five touches in the opponent box was a game high for United. So he is in the box and he's getting into positions. And I think as we discussed last year, Leon's a confident and a streaky player. If he gets one, he could go on a run of getting four or five, six. So let's just let's just hope that that one comes sooner rather than later.
0: Yeah, I mean it's. It's weird, and it? it's not like he's really doing anything wrong. I mean, no. he, he oh. could really have had two goals the last two games, just been denied by brilliant saves, and then yeah, then we are going. Oh, he, he's on a roll. You know, here we go. This is the Leon we saw last season. Oh. So, yeah, I, I think it will will come at some point for sure.
1: More than that, as well. I mean, I, I, again, I've wrote. Um, this in your inbox, actually. But I've wrote, wrote an expected goals <laughs> piece just as an explanation because I have a lot of questions about what XG is and. How we work out XG and how we can apply it. And one of the things that I did was a freeze frame for Leon's chance against Middlesbrough as well.
2: Mm. Um, you
1: now three, three nil down, it wouldn't have affected the game, but he goes to one goal on his left foot, just inside the 18 yard box. Misses, keeper saves it. But if you take that one, that's you know that potential goal there. You take the one against QPR, the one here, he could well easily be on three goals for the season. Yeah. You know, and then he, he, he's flying, isn't he? Yeah. You know, and I think that's that's the key. We need to realise that he's in the right positions and as we always try and explain if you're in the right positions it will come and he is in the right positions so let's let's just hope again it does come sooner rather than later because I think yeah, I agree with you Leon is a confidence player and maybe that can start to what you know especially with our fan base it can drain a little bit <laughs> if he's not scoring goals
0: yeah definitely alright so let's talk about uh, I, I think we can give a rating to Ryan Leonard because he, he came on at half time played 45 minutes yeah. then, of course um, <clears throat> so yeah, give, give me your out of 10 rating for Leonard
1: Ryan I don't think I could give him an eight again because I think eight someone has a really impact game. Yeah, but off the bench. He was really good. Um, I'm looking at his numbers. and I, Again, we've got different sources for numbers, so it can be different info. Nothing stood out as really good, but there's lots of it. Mm. You know, there's lots of passing, there's lots of defensive work, recovering the ball, tackling. Yeah, there's lots of you know inter- attempted interceptions. He just got amongst it, didn't he? Definitely. Um, I, I, That's what I expected to see when we signed Ryan Leonard, this box-to-box midfielder. Um, I expected to see someone who just gets amongst it in the middle, gets involved in the game, gets hit by the scruff of the neck and and tries to turn it around. And I thought he did that.
2: Yeah.
0: no, I I gave him a 7 out of 10 as well. It it was an impactful performance from the bench, wasn't it? Which, you know, I just said Woodburn couldn't get involved. Well, you know, Leonard was one of our most involved players almost in the whole game, to be honest. I mean, yeah, he had 2 out of 2 tackles, 7 ball recoveries. He only played 45 minutes. I mean... If it, if that had carried yeah. on for a ninety minute rate, it would have, it would have been like I think almost double anybody else. It was it was really high and yeah. It's uh, as I wrote in my piece for this for uh, uptheblaze.com, I mean, this is the value of players like him and Basham. I think you know neither of whom are, are going to be in the Championship team of the season at the end of the year, but they can play multiple positions. They you know they impact the game. They you know they they try things. They try and make things happen. And yeah, it just enables us to kind of switch formation on the fly. I mean you know, it's, it's kind of difficult to pin what uh, what positions he actually played, Leonard, but I, I think he sort of tried to do us or was brought on to kind of swap for Woodburn and play kind of off the strikers, and then when we brought McGoldrick on, he was moved to the right of the midfield three, I think, and, yeah, just a, a kind of all-action performance, which is exactly what you needed off the bench, I suppose. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah,
1: I mean, I got down four of those recoveries, Spoke about were in the opponent's half as well, so it, mm. it falls back into that, that pressing data. You know, he was on the front foot. He didn't sit in a flat three, as you say. He, he tried to press the ball forward. He had two touches in the opponent's box, which, as more of a combative centre midfielder, that's really good as well. Mm. You know, it doesn't mean that he did anything with those two touches, but again, he was in the box, which is a presence, and he is a big physical presence. So if he can get in the box more, that is only a positive. Um, you know, and I agree. I think it's his, his best performance I've seen in the blade shirt.
0: Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, so that's our play ratings then. Uh, obviously, we won won our last two games in the league. We're you know sitting in a slightly better position than we were ten days ago, whenever it was. So I guess that's panic over then after a nightmare start to the season where we didn't sign anyone and everything's just gone to hell. So yeah, I think everyone's probably feeling a bit better now. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I again put this in my piece, but we as it happens we're exactly where I thought I would be uh, sorry, where I thought we yeah. would be after um after three or four games and that is I guess upper mid table. We've we've lost to teams above us, we've we've beaten teams below us and uh yeah, we you know, this is kind of uh kind of what I expected and yeah, if we end up finishing kind of eighth to tenth, but having great moments like we had on Saturday, then uh it's gonna be an enjoyable season, I think. You know, that's that's kind of what what well, live for as fans and you might say oh that's just accepting mediocrity but yeah it's important to uh to live for those great satisfying moments as sharp's winner definitely was um i mean do you want to do you want to just quickly talk about the uh the state of play in the championship then obviously we're we're about to play the or most teams are about to play their fourth rounds of games tonight and uh and tomorrow night with the uh, you know this is when we should have been playing middlesbrough but it was moved forward a few weeks instead um is there anything? Uh, it, I mean, it's probably way too early to draw conclusions, but uh, well, what, what conclusions do you want to draw so far after uh, after three or four rounds of games? Any anybody that surprised you, or is is most things going how you expected? Because I would say that most things actually are going how how I expected them to so far.
1: Yeah, I'd agree. Um, it's a nice segue actually from what you've just said, that beautifully summed up about the Norwich game and that enjoyment of the winner, but also kind of. Let's put the two losses we've had in perspective of the lay of the land of the championship, which is we lost, all right, 3-0, but two of them were set pieces to a team that's top of the league and, quite frankly, is, is looking better than most of us at the minute in Middlesbrough. Yeah. You know, In terms of their, their performance data as well, they're not conceding many chances and they're making a lot. That makes Middlesbrough an exceptionally dangerous team. Um, and then, look at the other loss, was to Swansea, who were a bit of an unknown. No one really knew where they were. Um, and it turns out they're also a very good side because they've also beat Preston. They're mm-hmm. also unbeaten, um, and not, not not poor sides don't beat Preston. They're kind of like us, Preston. You know, if you're a poor side, you don't beat Preston. They're a good team.
2: Mm-hmm. They battle
1: hard. They're full of energetic players. So those two losses in isolation look quite poor. In the lay of the land of the league, as it's gone after four four games, three games, it's okay. You know, that, they could well be two games to look back on it and think, oh well, actually they were expected losses. You know, that's not a bad thing. Um, yeah. In terms of the league as a whole, there is some trends appearing, um, which do make sense. Reading look poor as, as I think are most predicted. They're actually creating more chances than they did last year, which was their big Achilles' heel. But they're not getting. And you're going to chime in here because the misses is Reading <laughs> But <laughs> their, their XG data is better than last year. They're creating chances and they're not actually getting luck. Whereas last year they got the luck and stayed up. But they're not a good side, Reading, and they are going to struggle. Um, I'll let you segue
0: in here. To yeah, I, mean, I think they've had a slightly difficult start to the season. I know they just lost to Bolton, who uh, who, who currently sit in sixth, actually. So there is there is yeah. one surprise team in this early table. Um, but then the other ones were Derby, which they were pretty unlucky to lose from what I saw. Um, and then they played Forest away and only lost one 0 last week, so a bit unlucky. But yeah, it, it does sound like they are playing um, better than last season. Uh, although yeah slightly worrying if you're doing that and not picking up the results you were I guess I I mean Bolton is definitely one that's a a surprising start but I guess the other one for me is Stoke and yeah so they are they have not won a game yet they've played three they've got uh, you know I think it was only 3-1 against Leeds and obviously Leeds have a a perfect start and uh, are looking very impressive under Bielsa but yeah, they got a bit of a hammering off um, off Leeds. Uh, I don't have their other results in front of me,
1: actually.
0: Uh, Brentford, Brentford 1-1. Okay, so yeah, Brentford 1-1, Stoke 2-2. Uh, sorry, Preston 2-2. So 2-2, yeah. they have actually had a very difficult start to the season. Yeah, so. they have. Yeah. So I, I'm still confident of my prediction that they're going to be. Uh, well, I said they're going to win the league. They're only they're only eight points behind Middlesbrough, but uh, early days. I'll stick with it. I think they'll be right up there without any doubt.
1: Yeah, when they catch fire, they'll catch. I mean, they've had a, they've had a proper welcome to the championship. I saw a lot of the pundits, you know, Premier League pundits who think they know a lot and really know nothing. So, you know, oh yeah, Stoke Stoke will beat Brentford it's like no one had ever seen Brentford play before. Brentford yeah. are quite one of the top three or four teams in this league in terms of their style of play and and how effective it is you don't get the ball off them much you know we were one of the teams last year that really did compete with them in our games against them Um, and and they can dominate your attacking list so that that was a proper welcome to the championship and Preston as well you know two tough teams to beat and Mm. I think they got a It, but their data is quite interesting they're outperforming their expected goals um, they were quite heavily before the Rotherham game I haven't got the latest set of data but they, they were finishing basically better than they should and I think that's quite obvious when you look at the chances as Roof finished um, especially mm. in the
0: Like I say, I thought they were I didn't think they were that good against Reading, which is the, the no. one game that they've got any points from so far. And then yeah, they got a got a walloping by um, by Leeds. What was the other game that they also lost? That was this weekend, they, wasn't
1: it? Yes. They lost to Millwall.
0: Millwall, yeah. Which again, you know, is loads of teams, uh, probably better teams than Derby are gonna lose at Millwall this season, but yeah.
1: I, I think I think the most interesting thing, I think we spoke about this privately, is how the teams who did well unexpectedly, quote Marks, last year, you know, us, Millwall, and Preston, we look very much there again.
0: Yeah, that was um, a really good know, point, actually.
1: You look at our three or four games that we've had, you look at the XG data, we, we should be better than we are, um, and if, if, if not already being good. If you look at, you know, Millwall should have beat Middlesbrough on the first day of the season.
2: Yeah. Preston,
1: you know, they, they've had tough games, but they've competed well, and they'll be around it as well. And I think, you know, there's been some starts like Bolton, some auspicious starts, but Bolton's data isn't that good. Um, And, you know, I'm not scared that they're going to finish anywhere near that level. Mm. But us three look look like we've got staying power. Mm. Um, And I think the the other interesting start, actually, Blackburn, who look, I mean, Wigan have had a good start and good XG data as well, but Blackburn really interests me because they've got players who, I think for a while have been, threatening to make this step up to the championship. And it has been interesting to see if they can. I'm, I'm looking at Bradley back here, really.
2: Mm.
1: Um, and they look like they're going to be a, a bit of a side this year. Blackburn. Uh, they, they wouldn't surprise me if they finished in the top
0: half. I saw something... Uh, I don't have this in front of me, but um, I saw somebody who tweeted out that... I think they have the, the highest uh, in the league in terms of uh, XG from open play, or the, rather the, the ratio of their chances that are created from open play is, is better yeah. than any other team in the league, which... You know, you could flip that round and say, well, probably their their set piece chance creation is one of the worst in the league. But still, that's that's quite an encouraging side for a team coming up from League One. An encouraging sign yeah. that team coming up from League One is able to carve out you know a good amount of chances from open play. So, yeah, I mean, I think I predicted they would come sort of pretty much mid table anyway. So, but yeah, that's that's pretty encouraging for them, definitely. Um, Shall we do?
1: Shall we do it? Shall Shall we spend two minutes on
0: Wednesday? <laughs> <laughs> I don't wanna I don't want to tempt fate, but it's uh it's not an unsurprising start for me. I don't I just you know I, I just don't think they're very good. I mean I, they're not gonna finish twenty first, but you know, they, they haven't they weren't able to bring any players in, which it transpired was a was a transfer embargo. I mean, when we did our predictions they'd bizarrely not made that public, but it, it was pretty apparent to anybody who yeah. cast a glance at it. Um yeah, I'm not not remotely surprised. Brentford are better than them. I'm not surprised seeing Leafs at Wigan. Uh, drawing with Hull is a little bit embarrassing, I guess. Um, yeah.
1: Well, it, is, it is considering Hull had a whole of higher XG.
0: Well, yeah, I guess so.
1: <laughs> so I, I, from, if you look at the because yeah, I'm, I'm tracking it weekly, obviously, for the XG table we're doing. Um, so I'm tracking each result weekly with the expected goals. And, and Hull's first half there, they should have been two or three away. Hmm. So if you look at that, uh, you know, and, and Hull are a pretty poor side, really, to be perfectly honest. The well, yeah,
0: they're they below pull. Wednesday.
2: Yeah, I mean,
1: they're not going to pull up any trees this year. They're in serious trouble as well, and I don't think Atkins is going to last long there with the behind scenes kind of drama they're having. So, mm. I, I, I don't want to temptate it either, and I don't want to rub it in either, but I think we can sit smugly for a while here. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I, yeah. I think they've got they've got two options to get out of trouble and get up that table, and that's Forest, area, and Bannon. If they don't turn up, or if yeah, one of them gets sold or injured mm. they're in serious serious trouble
0: could well be i'd certainly much rather be in uh be in our shoes and uh you know th- we-, we look uh a team on the up i guess even if you know that that ceiling is still going to be this kind of eighth to tenth range yeah much rather be in our shoes and uh let's enjoy it while while it's there i suppose hopefully it'll be there for a, a good long time yet um i think just quickly just to finish off and uh yeah, I feel a bit like kicking somebody when they're down here, I suppose. But seeing as we played them last week, I think it's worth mentioning. QPR, ouch, 7-1 yeah. to, to West Brom. Who I think Dwight Gale, did he score one? Did he score two?
1: Great signing. He got, he got one or two. Rodriguez got two. I mean, just <laughs> that front three. I think Matt, yeah. Matt Phillips played as a right wing-back. That's how comfortable oh. West Brom were with what QPR had coming to them. Yeah, um, they,
2: they're going to do know, well.
1: The only thing I would say about that 7-1 is I think that 7-1 makes... If we were still in for him, or any team that is, I still I think that now makes Luke Freeman stay at QPR. Mm. There, there is no way that board can sell Luke Freeman and expect to stay in the league.
0: That would be championship suicide, I think. Yeah. Uh, oh, it, yeah. It, no, no real amount of money would make that make yeah. sense, I don't think.
1: No. I mean, you'd, you'd have to be talking, which no one's going to pay, 15, 20 mil for, to even blink wouldn't yeah. you? Because they're, they, they're going to get relegated if they sell Luke Freeman. He, he yeah. created 70, 80% of their chances last year and scored about 40% of their goals himself as well. And I, I, just, I, and I think we witnessed that at Ramon Most of them come off his own dribbles. It's not like he's mm. on the end of good play. So, you know, he's still one that, you know, a lot of teams will be interested in until the end of the window, I think, because if QPR do have issues and that Luke Freeman is available, I don't see why 10 sides in this league wouldn't be Pumping up 4 million quid
0: to pay for him. Oh, God, yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right, is there anything else you want to hit while we're talking?
1: Uh, Nope, not at all. Just, you know, you've summed up the the Norwich game really well. Just overall, Blades, there's been some just, you know, really greatly appreciated interaction with us both this week. And, you know, please do keep checking out the website, guys, and, and viewing the stuff on there. You know, we take a lot of time to try and put some good stuff on there. We hope it's good anyway. So, we do appreciate all the comments and feedbacks. I know I do because it, it directs me to what you guys want to see and helps make us make things better, doesn't it? Ben? so yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, it's, it's
0: I've actually you know I've been blown away by the re- reaction to the site. Uh, if if for some reason you don't know what we're talking about, it's uptheblades.com, and it is where you will find lots of written stuff from myself and Jay. Um, you know, predominantly about United, of course. Although we uh i guess we have a few general efl pieces in there and there'll probably be some more to come as well um yeah. but yeah it's it's been amazing the the feedback that we've had you know the interaction uh people leaving some fantastic comments on there as well to to some of our articles which is uh is awesome to see uh you know well well worth the uh the the time that we would put into it i guess and uh yeah long long may it continue um Yeah, I mean, I guess just to plug that quickly, uh, if you've not seen it already, there is my conclusions from the win over Norwich this weekend. Uh, Jay, I know you mentioned you've got something sat in my which I haven't had a chance to look at yet, which is XG related. Uh, Anything else you're you're cooking up that I should expect this week?
1: Uh, A couple of things in the pipeline. Uh, Not sure timeline-wise, but I'm trying (laughs) to do a bit of a... I'm doing a bit of a piece on Norwood's debut, just looking at what he brought to the team um, and then I'm just waiting, I think, until we've done five games in the Championship and I'll do a bit of a general kind of Championship, expected goals, look around um, nice. and anything that kind of stands out as good or bad for any team, really. Mm. Um, because I, I think the lay of the land of the Championship is always interesting to look at. It's a really hard league to predict, but there is some trends that are appearing already and that we've just discussed and that if they continue to appear, if, if, you know, it'll be interesting to look at those, especially from a Blades perspective, because we've got all these teams to play still. So.
0: Indeed. Um, and I, I guess one thing we will be doing is also uh, rating Sheffield United's transfer window when it uh, eventually yeah. closes in 10 days' time. So, yeah, you and I will we'll give our uh, out of 10 ratings for each move. And it, that's going to be a nice a nice chunky piece, actually, because uh, we'll, we'll do all yeah. the outgoing players as well. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Um, cool. All right, mate. If you've got nothing else, then uh, we can leave it there for this week. So, Check that out. Two podcasts of the season, two wins. That's pretty satisfying, isn't it? And uh, hopefully, we'll be doing another one with another win on Monday.
1: Yeah, it's only Bolton. We'll be fine. (laughs) I love that confidence.
0: All right, buddy. Thanks very much for giving up your time. And uh, yeah, I'll speak to you soon.
1: Cheers, guys. Bye. Cheers, bye.